Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hey there, disturbed listeners. We hope you're having a great holiday season. This week, we're feed dropping from a like minded show called The RR Show, where they tell true stories from the internet and beyond. Check it out. And if you like the content, follow the link in the description and go subscribe. Thanks, and we'll be back next week with more terrifying true horror. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the show, The RR Show. Today, I have got some bangers for you from r slash let's not meet. So grab yourself some tea and popcorn and come with me as we dive into our first story from Pardizica? Trapped in a room with his kids. When I, 22 female, was about 14 years old, my family and I went to a resort in Antalya, Turkey. The resort was relatively small, and every day there were plenty of activities that involved all of the guests. Pools, games, competitions, etc. The restaurant was also cafeteria style, so everyone ate together. As a result, basically everyone at the resort knew each other pretty well and by name, and became pretty tight-knit after a few days. In particular, there was a middle-aged, bold British guy named Danny and his two little kids who were about two to four years old. Everyone at the resort seemed to really love this family as he was a single father who was on vacation with his two cute little children, so they became popular pretty quickly. At one point, I was walking back up to my room when I heard another guest at the hotel say my name in the context of volunteering me to help Danny with something. I went to see what was going on and the other guest told me that Danny needed help, taking his kids upstairs because they were badly sunburnt and he couldn't carry them both at once. However, the other guest was busy with something, so he suggested that I should help Danny instead. I didn't really think anything of it, so I picked up the little girl and walked with Danny and his son towards the elevator. We eventually got to his hotel room and I tried to drop the girl off by the door, but he politely asked me to drop her on the couch. Unfortunately, I was naive and too trusting, so I thought it wouldn't be a problem for me to just step in and drop her off quickly before I go. Worst case scenario, I could scream and people in the neighboring rooms or hallway would hear me. So I stepped inside and as I dropped Danny's daughters off on the couch, he closed the door and turned the lights off behind me. It was pitch black because my eyes hadn't adjusted yet when I heard him leaning close to my ear and say, Kids, say hello to your new mummy. I instantly got goosebumps all over and my heart dropped. Whenever I tell this story to anyone, they always say that he was probably kidding, but I can assure you 100% that he was not. I panicked and started feeling up the wall for the light switch or the door, and he could tell that I was trying to leave, so he said, aren't you going to stay and watch some telly with us? But I had finally found the doorknob, 
and just made a run for it. I ran downstairs crying and so afraid. When I tried to tell my family, no one would believe me that he was being serious or creepy because they'd all met him and thought of him as such a sweet, lovely single father. I didn't see him the next day or in the following days, so I think he checked out after that. On the morning of August 1st, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. You're listening to Stop the Killing podcast. Join us as we take you behind the crime scene tape to explain global mass shootings and mass attacks. I'm Sarah Ferris, but more importantly, this is Catherine Schweitz, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. I spent five years as the FBI's top executive looking for answers to the mass shooting crisis. I've been at the shooting scenes. I've traced heroic acts of bravery and I've sat silently and listened to the heart-wrenching stories from survivors. Amongst this horror, there is hope. We all hold the key to stop the killing. You just need to know how to unlock the door. Download Stop the Killing and be part of the solution. Search Stop the Killing on Apple, Spotify, and all the usual suspects. Creepy bold guy or just very dry British humour? I guess we'll never know. Our next one is from The Faceless Writer. The Dog in the Road This particular event happened almost a year ago, sometime in mid-October. A couple friends and I drove out to visit an old friend of ours from high school, George, who now lived about an hour out of the city. We spent the whole day with him, and it was really late when he finally decided to start the drive back home. My friend, Lisa, passed out in the passenger seat, She had had a few drinks and decided to spend the ride home asleep. My other friend, Sam, was sitting in the back seat behind Lisa and playing a game on her smartphone. I, of course, was driving. I was following the GPS's instructions back to the freeway. At that moment, we were driving down a dark street with thick trees bordering both sides. Everything was pretty peaceful, with the only sound I could hear being that of the car moving along the road and the radio on low volume. Suddenly, my car let out a jolt, and it felt as if I'd hit something. Sam let out a shocked scream while Lisa remained dead asleep. I slammed on the brakes, and the car came to a halt. I was breathing heavily when I asked what the hell had just happened. Sam peered through the back window and gasped. She turned to me with an angry look on her face and shouted, i just hit a dog. I looked through the back window and, sure enough, a dog was lying in the road a few yards behind the car. Sam's a pretty big animal lover, so I wasn't surprised to see her get pissed at me. She was about to open the door and rush to the animal's aid when I stopped her. Once I'd gotten over the shock of running over a dog, I got a feeling in my gut that told me that something was off. I'm no braggart, but I consider myself to be a very attentive and safe driver. My eyes were on the road all the time and I distinctly remember not seeing any dog in the road prior to the car jolting. Yeah, it was dark, but I was sure that I would have at least seen the dog in the headlights before hitting it. I looked through the back window and took a closer look at the dog, or at least as much as I could make out in the reddish light coming from my taillights. It was a fairly big dog, at least a golden retriever or something like that. One particular detail caught my attention. I could see the dog's tail wagging. 
Now, I'm no expert on the mannerisms of animals, but I was sure the last thing a dog would do after being hit by a car was wag its tail. After a moment of thought, I pressed my foot down on the accelerator and sped off. Sam snapped at me and ordered me to go back, but I told her that something was wrong with the whole situation. She continued to argue, but she fell silent as we turned back towards the back window. She asked, What the heck? with a shaking voice. I looked in the rearview mirror, and though it was dark, I was able to make out the silhouettes of three large figures emerging from the trees on the side of the road. The dog was now up on its feet and jumping around joyfully. The three figures looked in our direction as I pressed my foot down on the gas harder and sped off. Sam and I remained silent for the rest of the ride home. It wasn't until a few days later that we told Lisa about it. We've been back to visit George a few times since then, but we always made sure to leave before sunset. Still, I dread to think about what would have happened if we'd gotten out of the car. Hello, this is Dr. Grande, the host of True Crime Psychology and Personality. On my podcast, I explore and explain the pathology behind some of the most horrendous crimes and those who commit them. We discuss topics like narcissism, psychopathy, sociopathy, and antisocial personality disorder from a scientifically informed perspective. What is a narcissist? How do you spot a sociopath? What signs can you look for to protect yourself from these dangerous personalities? It's not just about the stories, but also the science and psychology behind them. So if you're interested in true crime or mental health, I'd encourage you to give my show a listen wherever you get podcasts. Our next story is from DGR92. She just got into my car. This story is by far not as crazy as the other stories on here, but I think it fits. This happened several years ago. I think 2009, 2010, something like that. One summer evening, I hung out with a girlfriend for the day at her house. I ended up leaving about 10, 11-ish, so it was quite dark out. Before I drove off, though, my girlfriend hung out with me in the car for a few minutes. Now, the car was an early 90s Dodge or Pontiac sedan. It did not have automatic locks. When my girlfriend stepped out of the car, she did not lock the door again. I drove off, and instead of taking the back road home like I usually did, I decided to take the main road. Since it was late, there wasn't many cars out. However, there was a lady standing next to a bus stop. She was pacing around in a circle. I got the sense that she was anxious and nervous about something. When she saw my car, she flagged me down. I pulled over and reached over to roll down the window. No automatic windows either. That's when I noticed the door wasn't locked and before I could do anything, the lady opened up the passenger door and took a seat. I was surprised, but I didn't feel like the lady was a threat. She was white, blonde hair, and probably in her late 30s or early 40s. I asked her if she's okay or if she needs help. She tells me that she's just trying to get home, but her phone died so she couldn't get a hold of anyone. She also said she missed the last bus. This sounded plausible to me, and since she didn't seem threatening and was already in my car, I offered to drive her home. I start driving up to the main road and ask her for directions to her place. We drove for maybe two minutes when she told me to turn into a residential neighborhood. As we're driving through, she starts talking to me non-stop. Oh, thank you so much for stopping. Not everyone is as nice as you. You're real cute. You know that. Your car's super awesome too. 
I replied with a weak, uh, yeah, thanks. She went on. It's so nice to find someone who's so trusting late at night. I like trusting people. At this point, we came to a stop sign, so I looked left and then right. When I turned to the right, she gave me a creepy smile, like ear-to-ear Joker-type smile. I also noticed for the first time that her pupils were very dilated and darting around all over the place. At this point, I finally started to realize that picking up a strange woman late at night, who may or may not be on drugs, perhaps was not the best of ideas. I started to think of ways to get her out of the car, but I also didn't want to be rude. I know, I know, I was young and dumb. Before I could think of anything, though, she asks me for my phone so she could give her friend a call and let them know that she was coming home. I very sheepishly lied to her and said I didn't have a phone. I was then struck with a feeling of dread because my phone's ringer was set to loud and any notification or message would reveal my lie. Just my luck. A moment later, someone texted me and my phone went off. I thought you didn't have a phone. Oh, yeah, I, I forgot that I had it. I thought I'd left it at home. I don't appreciate being lied to. She trailed off as if she had more to say. I started getting really nervous at this point. We were deep in this neighborhood, but it was really dark. I needed to get this lady out now. She then points up the road and tells me to take a right at the next stop sign. For whatever reason, the thought of turning onto this dead-end street terrified me. Right before we got to the stop sign, I pulled over and told the lady that my car was making a funny noise and the temperature gauge was slowly going up. I turned off my car and popped the trunk. I told her I was grabbing a flashlight from the trunk and if she could step out and hold the light for me while I looked at the engine. I got out of the car. I looked back at her and she looked both mad and annoyed at the same time, but she also stepped out. I went to my trunk and rummaged through the things I had there for a few seconds. My flashlight was right in front of me, but I needed to be sure that she was standing in front of the car. When she was there, I closed the trunk and started walking to the front of the car with my flashlight. My heart was pounding, but I knew I had to keep my voice steady. I gave her the flashlight and then said something like, Oops, I forgot to pop the hood. Let me go do that real quick. I got back in my car and I did pop the hood. At the same time, though, I turned the car back on and threw it into reverse. The lady just stood there staring at me. Once I had enough distance, I put the car back in drive and drove straight past her. She was standing near a streetlight, so I got one last good look at her. I noticed she was holding a knife in her hands. There was also a large man that stepped out of the shadows and stood next to her. At first, I thought she might be getting attacked, but then they walked away together. I know that this was 100% my fault. It was stupid of me to let her get in my car and even stupider of me to agree to drive her home. I don't know why she didn't try to attack me earlier. I don't know if they were looking to simply carjack me or do something else. Despite fully accepting the blame, middle-aged blonde lady, let's not meet again. Well, guys, make sure you are following the show so you get notified when our next episode comes out. Whether you're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you may be, make sure you hit that follow button. That's it for this one. I will see you in the next one. Until then, guys, peace out. Take care.
Well, hey, podcast listener. My name is Vince, and I'm the host of a show called The RR Show. It stands for Reddit Readings. We're going to sit down twice a week, and I'm going to bring you the most entertaining stories from all of the best subreddits that exist online. Things like malicious compliance, petty revenge, hey, lady, I don't work here. Oh, there's so much more. Lots of great stories and things you won't believe. Like the one time uh, this dude was caught in a bathroom with his friend and he was slapping them because that was the only way that he could actually legitimately help them. A mall cop comes in with a taser. Oh, yeah, the rest is history. It's going to be fun. There is, uh, well, I don't know, I got like 20 seconds left, so I don't got much more time to tell you another story. But just join me on The RR Show. It's from Evergreen Podcast, produced in partnership with Wessler Media. So The RR Show. Wherever you get podcasts, subscribe today, and uh, it's like an adult story time. Let's hang out together. The RR Show. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts.